0: Good evening and welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Yes, I'm back after a month away. Thank you very much for those of you that have returned. I appreciate it's a slightly different format than what we usually expected. As those who don't quite remember, basically I've been away for a long time with a new job as I'm now a university lecturer at UCFB in Manchester. What unfortunately that's meant is that I haven't been able to dedicate the same level of time that the EFL Review simply deserves. But as a result, we're going to slightly change the format and it now means every month we get a new bumper episode talking about all the goings on that took place over the last month in the championship League One and League Two. And of course, the month of November has been nothing short of eventful. Even though we've had a slightly change in the format, you can still expect the same level of usual insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single month. And without further ado, we make a start on the championship. The reason we start with the championship, of course, for two reasons. One, being the highest level that we cover here at the e Review. But it might be slightly harder to prove that actually there's not been a huge amount that's taken place this month mainly because, of course, for two weeks of it, they had uh, the International break to thank. That doesn't mean, however, that there haven't been plenty of games for people to talk about, and as a result, plenty of managers for them to lose their jobs. What we're going to do over the next, let's say, 90 minutes or so, we're going to hopefully look at all the goings-on over the last month, any new managers that have come in joining uh, all three uh, divisions of the Pyramid, all the fixtures that took place in the most recent weekend, which is around the 25th of November, course very close to Christmas now and as a result the level of fixture congestion is heating up in the EFL. Whilst also that we also have a cup plenty of interviews across all three divisions, some managers, some players and even some new ownerships. So without further ado we take a look at the championship to begin with and we look at the form table. Well four matches took place over the course of November for the championship And top of the tree, out of those four, and who did the best over the course of the month of November? Well, it's Daniel Farkas, Leeds United, with three wins and a draw. A really impressive start with eight goals scored and three conceded for Leeds. Similarly, on 10 points out of a possible 12, second place, Russell Martin, Southampton. Again, same record, but one less goal scored. Unsurprising, really, given the uh, level of firepower that both teams possess. Um, Coming down from the Premier League, of course, last year, most certainly helps with that other teams that stood out very notably are uh, three wins out of a possible four for 3rd place West Bromwich Albion and plenty of teams picking up uh, two wins and a draw these included Cardiff City Sunderland Ipswich who continue to ramble on and Hull City not to mention Bristol City as well Bristol City we'll cover in a little bit more detail of course as they're one of the managers that ha- uh, one of the teams that have had a new manager recently in the form of Oxford United boss Liam Manning, who, I'm told, was actually at Oxford United for quite a while, but as far as I'm concerned, was there for approximately 20 minutes. Teams that have fared rather poorly in the month of November, unfortunately, are the same three that were faring rather poorly before we changed formats here at the EFL Review. We look at Queen's Park Rangers, Huddersfield, and now managerless Rotherham United. Unfortunately, the run of poor results was ultimately too much for the Rotherham board, and they parted ways with former Exeter City boss Matt Taylor earlier this month. They are yet to find a replacement uh, and former uh, assistant of Matt Taylor, uh, Wayne Carlisle uh, of Torquay and uh, Exeter fame, and formerly, fun fact, uh, an FA level coach who actually taught me my FA level one coaching fact. Fun fact for you there. Really, really good guy, but ultimately got a very difficult job on his hands there at Rotherham United. What we have also seen is that Huddersfield haven't quite turned things around as much as they would have hoped. Uh, Under Darren Moore over the last couple of months, still lots of teething troubles, but hopefully we'll be able to turn things around in the month of December where we have plenty of games. Queen's Park Rangers, also in that time period, have a new manager and we'll talk a little bit more about them later on. Again, unfortunately, we're yet to pick up a win in their four matches across November. One team that did manage to pick up a win uh, and a dunny roll was Sheffield Wednesday as they've pulled up to the dizzy heights of 21st, one win and three losses. Birmingham City also see their first win of the campaign in the most recent game week, but we'll cover that in a little bit. In terms of teams that have stood out for not necessarily or going potentially backwards over the course of the month of November, I think Middlesbrough really stands out there that they were really pushing back towards the playoffs after a very poor start of the season under Michael Carrick, but have lost two, drawn one and won one in uh, in the month of November. Plenty of time, of course, to turn things around. Leicester had a little bit of an issue for them as they currently find themselves 10th in the month of November form table. Two wins and two losses for the Foxes. Other teams that also did surprisingly eh, ah, Norwich City continued to be a bit meh, started the month of November with two losses in quick succession but have turned things around with two wins most recently. So, that's covered a bit of the form table, so we take a look at the fixtures that took place this weekend. And there have been plenty. We'll start with Friday the 24th of November in a relatively local derby, which finished Rotherham United 1, Leeds United 1. Leeds United missed out on a seventh win in eight championship matches, as they were held to a or draw by managerless Rotherham United. Crescencio Somerville cut in from the left to curl in an eye at early opener for Leeds, but in a dominant first-half display, they failed to expend, extend their lead further. Against the run-of-play in first-half stoppage time, Hakim Odafin found the bottom corner from 12 yards to equalise from third from bottom Rotherham in their first game since Matt Taylor was sacked on the 13th of November. Leeds thought they had won it in the 90th minute, but Jaden Anthony's close-range finish was ruled out for offside against fellow substitute Patrick Bamford. Third place Leeds are seven points behind Leicester and Ipswich, who were were both on 39 points and returned to championship action the day later on the Saturday. It's important to note that based on this one, we're now 17 games in to the championship season. So that was the Friday night game, which was on the telly and ultimately rather disappointing if you're a Leeds fan, but rather impressive if you're a Rotherham one. We take a look at Saturday, the 25th of November now and an essential game for both two teams at the wrong end of the table. And it finished Birmingham City 2, Sheffield Wednesday 1. Wayne Rooney won his first game as Birmingham boss at the sixth attempt, thanks to substitute Jordan James's winner, against bottom side Sheffield Wednesday. The game came to life just before the break. First, the Owls took the lead through George Byers in the 45th minute, only for Junior Bakuna to level for the Blues in time added on, when he crashed home a bouncing ball from 20 yards. The home side pushed on after the interval, but Jay Stansfield had a shot blocked before Sir Ricky Dembele's fierce shot hit the side netting. They were not to be denied, though, as James, who's been on for three minutes, converted Stansfield's centre. Wednesday have now suffered 13 defeats from 17 championship games and now 10 points adrift of safety after their latest loss on the road. I think we probably need a first interview now, based on that display, and it's only appropriate that after his first win as boss, let's listen to Birmingham City manager Wayne Rooney.
1: Gaffer, a big three points, your
0: first as
2: Blues boss, just some of your thoughts on what you saw today. Second half better, first half, um, I was disappointed with the players first half because um, how they've been all week in training and then um, we didn't show the energy I wanted first half. or the composure with the ball first half and um, obviously I think getting the goal just before half time was um, was nice but I wasn't happy at all at half time and um, I made the players aware that I wanted more energy, I wanted more composure. Um, because I felt with a bit more energy they took risks playing off from the back and we could uh, we could really hurt them and um, we lifted that we we had a, a good dominance of the game second half. Um, and then obviously um, what you'd always want when you make changes is players to come on and have an impact. And I thought Juki did that putting himself about, and then obviously JJ getting his goal, so i um, really pleased.
1: Yeah, is it a significant one? Is, it, is the hope now that having got that first victory as Blues boss, it just settles everyone
2: down a little bit? Yeah, but I think it's it's also important not to get carried away. It's, it's one win. Um, and as I was saying over the, the last month, um, this is a project which we're looking to to change this club over the next few years, not just over the next few weeks. So um, we've got a difficult game coming up on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, of course, it's it's great to get the three points. And um, obviously for myself, the first, first win since I've been here. Um, but I'm delighted for the lads because they have put a lot of work in over the last few weeks and
1: they, they deserve that win. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Sheffield Wednesday made it difficult in that first half. Are you asking players to be brave in those instances?
2: Yeah, I just thought the composure firstly was... Um, Sheffield Wednesday, in fairness to them, sometimes give the opposition credit and they pressed as well and they, they made the change to the system which I thought that their coach has done that in his previous clubs and um, we, when you get pressed you need to be able to play with the composure to play around that and we did in the first half we struggled with it um, but also the energy um, weren't there so um, second half, first half sorry we kept going back to John Ruddy too much yeah. and, and it was too easy for us to give him the ball and let him make decisions where Second half, I felt we were a little bit better um, with the ball, um, but without the ball, we were a lot better.
1: Yeah, far behind just before half time. What did you make of the reaction? Positive to, to hit back immediately through Janine Bacuna and a really well, sweetly struck shot. Yeah,
2: I thought it was a great strike, and it's something we've been working on. And this goal, um, his goal for his national team is something which. Um, he come back and, and he was made up with it because that's something before he went away working on it and just passing the ball in but his goal today was far from a pass but um, no, I think it's, an, it's the first half, regardless of, of the results I, I won performances as well and the first half wasn't wasn't good enough so um, that's something for us to look, out, look at and, and obviously build on second half, the, the goal for instance J.J.'s goal is a great build-up great um, composure on the ball, and if you do that, you can hurt teams in this league. And so, I was delighted with that, but also the reaction it's never easy in this league when you go goal down to come back and win the game. And um, I'm really pleased with that. Yeah, had a really good spell around the hour
1: mark. Siriki Dembele goes agonizingly close. I think everyone thought it was in. Did you feel at that stage
2: like we were going to be the side in the ascendancy? Yeah, I, I felt like we were on top and it was a matter of time, really. And, and then I think around about the 70 minute mark. Um, they get a little bit more of the game again, and um, and then that's important. That's where your, your substitutions, as I spoke about, um, I think it was the whole game, you want your subs to come on and, and have an impact. I thought Juhi come on and put his body about was was important for us um, in what he'd done. JJ coming on, um, obviously gets the goal, um, but then Romel coming on, Robbo coming on, um, Cody coming on, all, all done well when they come on, so I was pleased with the subs today. You've spoken about Jordan James,
1: he seems to receive rave reviews whenever he's away with Wales, how big a decision was it first to, to leave him out and, and put Janino Bakuna straight back in that? It was a
2: difficult one because um, I think he's done well JJ in the last few games and I think with him and Bakuna both being away on international duty, just really the emotion of, of what happened with Wales, um, with JJ, um, of, of not qualifying and um, there was a lot of emotion put into that game. Um, that's why I started backs um, in the middle of the pitch and um, and had JJ ready to come on. Um, but listen, we've got the players know we've got a lot of games coming up um, in a short period of time, so there, there are going to be changes here and there um, to the team. So they all have to be ready to come in and, and do a job. Ethan Laird had to come off. Is that precaution? Yeah, just a bit of cramp. So um, while while the, the lads have been off, they've put a lot of work in um, physically as well. Ethan obviously had the two games before the international break. Um, worked extremely hard um, in the international break and obviously just a little bit of at the end, so um, he'll be fine. Very finally, I can't let you go without having a mention of Lee
1: Buchanan, back after two months on the sidelines and he looked like he'd never been away.
2: Yeah, no, he was, I thought Lee was the best player for us, um, I thought he was fantastic and obviously a player I know really well and um, really comfortable on the ball but defensively um, solid as well, so um, I was delighted with his performance tonight. Well done, Gaffer. Thank time. you.
0: Congratulations to Mr Rooney there. Bristol City 3, Middlesbrough 2. Taylor Gardner-Hickman opened his Bristol City account with a spectacular strike as they held off Middlesbrough's fight back to winner Ashton Gate. Gardner-Hickman curled a precise finish into the top corner before Tommy Conway's penalty kick put the Robins 2-0 up. Burrow levelled through Matt Crooks just minutes after his effort hit the bar and rebounded in off City's Zach Viner. But Mark Sykes tucked home his side's third to ensure a win for Liam Manning in his first home game as Bristol City boss. On loan West Bromwich Albion midfielder Gardner Hickman, who was a one of two changes Manning made to his starting lineup, looked lively from the start and went closely with a, went close, sorry, with a shot that deflected off Dale Fry and was kept out by Borough keeper Senidier. But the contest remained scoreless until the 21-year-old's eye-catching individual goal put Bristol ahead, who had found the net only once in their previous four games, into the lead as they cut in from the left, beat two defenders and unleashed a drive beyond the helpless Dieng. The Borough keepers' one-on-one save soon afterwards prevented Conway from d- doubling the home side's advantage, but the City striker was handed another opportunity on the stroke of half-time when referee John Busby ruled that Matty James had been felled in the box. Waving away Borough protests be awarded a spot kick, and Conway duly dispatched into the bottom corner for his third goal of the campaign, leaving the visitors with an apparent mountain decline. However, they wiped out that deficit with seven minutes of the restart, as the luckless Viner headed in onto his own net, and almost immediately, Crooks rifled the equaliser past Max O'Leary. Manning side regrouped, though, and regained the lead when Rob Dickey's far post header from a corner kick was parried by Diang, with the rebound falling to Sykes to make it 3-2. Borough boss Michael Carrick responded with a string of substitutes and a one of new arrivals, Samuel Silvera, almost restored parity with the deflected effort that beat O'Leary, but hit the woodwork. But City saw out the game to move a place above Middlesbrough, who dropped to 12th in the table. Another new manager interview for us now, and it's the first one where we've not heard him in Oxford United capacity here on the EFL Review. Bristol City went uh, following the sacking of Nigel Pearson for a young and up-and-coming manager, as the press relief read. And someone who's done fairly well, obviously did very, very well with MK Dons uh, a couple of years ago, uh, getting them to third in the League One playoffs, I think only nearly two, maybe three seasons ago was not a little bit more depressing the following year, got sacked, had a very decent six months at Oxford, and now finds himself in the Championship with Bristol. So, let us introduce Bristol City boss, Liam Manning.
3: Liam, that was a a roller coaster of a game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, hopefully we don't go through too many uh, where we're too ahead and obviously allow the opposition back into 2-2. But uh, the biggest thing I think we showed is a real togetherness, a resilience, uh, a fighting spirit... uh, a real, real element of grit. You now, to, to, to be two up, to let, you know, for them to come back in it 2 2 and then respond like we did, you know, delight for the players and, yeah, thoroughly deserved. Four goals in 14 minutes, two for us, two, two for Middlesbrough. When we did concede those two goals and it went level, what was going through your mind? What did you have to say to the players from the sidelines? Was, was There's elements of frustration, was probably the first emotion we spoke at half time about. Um, expecting them to come out and maybe adapt and change what they did, given they were chasing the game, so maybe be a little bit more front fruited a bit more aggressive, maybe change the way they press. Um, so <laughs> we spoke around, you know, trying to maybe maybe be a bit more direct, a bit going behind them. So of course, fr- frustrating to concede the goals in the manner that we did, but as you know, we said in there, is as it's, it's a group. It's about going through games and having different learning experiences. And, and and today is a completely different experience to what we had to QPR. So like I said, the the biggest takeaway is the response to you know against the strong side who are in you know good form. You know, to, to be 2-up, to get it back to 2-2, you could quite easily go under and get emotional about it. So that was the biggest thing, I think, you know, me trying to role model and, and chatting to the lads about staying calm, staying focused and, you know, and, and keep trying to you know, play how we want to. Two quality goals. Uh, Let's talk us through Taylor Gardner-Hickman. That was some strike, wasn't it? Yeah, outstanding, outstanding finish. He was, Tails was disappointed not to, not to start against QPR and I, th- I think what, he, what he's shown since then is the right response in training, where he's got his head down, worked. Um, you, I have to give him credit. He does, he does score some decent goals like that in training. So I've, I've seen elements to that, and it's, you know, it's important that everybody chips in with goals. So yeah, ter- terrific, uh, terrific first goal, and then uh, yeah, Sykes. I have to say, Sykes, what a what a terrific week. Obviously, is his first start for Ireland this week, and then you now to, to get the winner, you know, with such a terrific finish from a tight angle. I'm you know delighted for him and his family. And the response you got from the Brussels City fans, and obviously their support for the team towards the end, twenty-one thousand plus. It's was great, wasn't it? Yeah, incredible, incredible, you know, a massive thank you from me, the staff, the players. It was it was obviously a proud moment for me, you know, to, to take a game here, my first game, and, and delighted we can send the fans home happy with three points. Uh, obviously, look, we're at the early stages of, you know, something that we're trying to build and you know, the, the team will progressively get better how we work. So, again, I think that's the, that's the big bit, sticking together, fans, players, staff, the whole club and, and, and keep pulling in the same direction.
0: Best of luck to Bristol City there for the remainder of the campaign. Hope things all go well under Mr Manning. Now, we've already alluded to it that Huddersfield haven't necessarily had the best of time uh, following the appointment of Darren Moore, but the most recent fixture actually might be a sign of things to come. Huddersfield Town won, Southampton won. Ben Jankson's late goal gave Huddersfield a battling point against promotion-chasing Southampton. The away side took the deserved lead when Saints skipper Adam Armstrong finished well at the near post in time added on at the end of the first half from Stuart Armstrong's low cross. Substitute Sam Adozi drew an excellent save from townkeeper Chris Maxwell as the away side looked to wrap up a fourth straight win. Huddersfield improved as the game wore on and after both Sorba Thomas and Michael Hellick both wasted good-headed opportunities, Jackson's cross drifted by everyone and in to the back of the net. Although the away side dominated possession with 78% to the home side's 22, the Terriers were ultimately worth their point. Good win for Leicester City here, uh, 2-0 against Watford. Jamie Vardy's first goal since early October ensured Leicester City stayed top of the championship as they beat Watford 2-0. Casey McAteer had a good chance, saved shortly before the interval, while Steffi Mavidi blasted into the side netting after the restart as Leicester dominated the chances. Substitute Vardy missed an early chance with 17 minutes to go, but two minutes later he finished at the far post from a close range uh, to finally put the Foxes ahead. Vardy made it 2-0 in stoppage time from the penalty spot after he was fouled by Daniel Barkman, a challenge which earned the Watford goalkeeper a second yellow and saw defender Ryan Porteous have to go in goal. It means Leicester go three points clear of Ipswich at the top of the table following Ipswich's 2-0 defeat against West Brom, more on that in a minute, in the evening's late kick-off. Watford, meanwhile, dropped to 15th. It's very unquestionable, of course, Uh, this hasn't really changed, a month's gone on, of course, that uh, Watford are not exactly known for... uh, Long-term managerial retention, falling all the way to 15th, how long does Valerian Ishmael truly have? I know we've already alluded to it, but we may as well cover the evening game. West Brom Albion two, twos, Ipswich Town nil. West Brom moved back into the top six of the championship with a win which brought Ipswich's 12-game uh, unbeaten league run to an end. Kieran McKenna's promotion hopefuls had not tasted defeat in the league since the 26th of August when they lost to Leeds, but excellent goals from Daniel Forlong and Grady Diangana underlined the Baggies' billing as the division's best home performers over the last year. Victory also saw Carlos Corberon's team bounce straight back from the first defeat in five games at Southampton before the international break and reclaim a place in the playoff places. Furlong's early balletic header set the ball rolling for the home side, and a brilliant sweeping counter-attack was neatly finished by Dean Garner, soon after half-time, to secure the points and inflict Ipswich's first league away defeat since January. Millwall 0, Coventry City 3, a dominant Coventry City side, won for the first time in 7, as they beat Millwall 3-0 in the Championship. Matt Godden's close-range header opened the scoring in a scoring and an end-to-end first half which lacked incisive finishing. Tatsuhiro Sakamoto passed the ball in to become the Sky Blues' first-ever Japanese goalscorer, before Ben Sheaf tapped home from a corner late on. Defeat at the end in Joe Edwards' first home game as Millwall boss resulted in his side slipping three places to 18th from the table, with Coventry remaining 20th. Now an important one for one of these teams. Well, in fact, both really. Norwich City won. Queens Park Rangers nil. Huang Huizhou scored the only goal as Norwich beat QPR to claim back-to-back wins for the first time since August. The South Korean striker, on loan from Nottingham Forest, collected Gabriel Sara's ball and fired home midway through the first half. Huang's winner ended a run of three consecutive defeats at Carrow Road, while QPR are without a win in 11 games. Now this is obviously an incredibly difficult uh, situation that QPR find themselves and it's still taking an awful lot of time to adapt to a new manager. Of course, uh, we were aware that they had sacked Gareth Amesworth about a month ago but was replaced by former Hammerby boss Marty Cifuentes. Now Marty Cifuentes is no stranger to English football, was formerly a youth coach at Birmingham City and if so much so was actually the youth coach that broke in A certain Jude Bellingham. So a to coach with decent pedigree, has done very well with Hammerby out in Sweden over the last couple of years and is now turning his hand to one of the continual difficult cases, that is Queen's Park Rangers. we said we would focus an awful lot on new managers and their interviews, so let's listen to Marty Sufwentes and see how he reacted to the Norwich game.
4: Uh, So Marty, what are your thoughts on the game today?
5: Well, my feeling is that we are all of us very disappointed. Disappointed because we came here to win a football game and we couldn't. So we go back home with zero points. Despite that, I think that the performance, uh, when, I, when I look in a professional way, what I value in the performance, I definitely think it's our best game since I arrived in the last three games. Um, we play with personality in a game away against a good football team, uh, but we need to, to compete better. Football is not about uh, deserving, but about achieving. And in that sense, I think that today perhaps we deserve a little bit more, but we couldn't achieve what we wanted. You talk about uh, or you've spoken about talking goals that we only
4: scored one in your first two games. A few chances today. How did you kind of keep improving in that final third?
5: Yeah, it's true that it was a game with not many goal chances. I think that according to our high amounts of passing and, and situations in the last set, uh, We should be more clinical, more sharp in the, you know, how to create the chance. But I think that the team is, is trying to, to express themselves in an offensive way, trying to be high on the pitch. I think that most of the, t- of the time it's true in the second half, it was more interruptions. But even though both in the first half and the second half, we were quite high on the pitch. We were trying to penetrate the defence and in that sense, it's true that they got two situations to perhaps clear goal chances in the, in the first half. The goal comes from almost nowhere a sloppy situation from our side we need to compete better on this one and then as well a situation on behind pole and that yeah uh, i think it's cool that takes it almost behind behind Begovic. but out of that it's not that they create a lot of goal chances we defend the box well uh, we had good control of the counters. they're a dangerous team they are the team that uh, is one of the teams that has scored most goals in the season and so far they can create more than one one shoot on goal despite that we need to get better and I I want to concede even less and create much more because we got I think that we got the situations to be more clinical and and create the the goal situations I know we didn't win today but going forward is that is that the kind of level of performance that you expect, or do you think there's still more to come from these players? I want still more, definitely. Every week, every 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 day that I'm spending here, I want us to be better. Today has not been enough, so we cannot just be happy and go back home thinking, oh, OK, it was not that bad. It's bad. We don't want to lose games. And then, of course, my job is to make sure that, that we keep a good balance. I've been in this situation before. I always turn it. So um, perhaps the impact now in the first three games, when you look back, it's only these two points. It's not what we expected. But at the same time, I'm aware that the team is improving, and that's what I value. So once again, I think that we have the the quality to turn this situation. I spoke with the guys. Uh, I think the the beginning of the second half is encouraging. We had some good moments. The way we push until the last second, it's encouraging. And now we need to make sure that on Tuesday we get really, really strong at home because that's one of the targets I do have as a manager. Uh,
4: the players clapped off. Sorry, the, the fans clapped off the players at the end as well. Do you think that just shows that the how the team is kind of is improving and the the fans are accepting your style?
5: I think the fans have been fantastic so far since my arrival and I appreciate the effort that they made to come here and they have been helping us for 95 minutes. Unfortunately, we couldn't give them the three points and I'm really looking forward to do that. But what I can tell them is that we are working really, really hard, the players, all the staff, to make sure that we can turn these and I'm completely convinced that we will do it all together. Uh, Starting on Tuesday, I think that, again, playing at home gives us uh, an edge. We need to recover that feeling that uh, the Loftus Road is a very, very difficult pitch for all the teams in the league and I'm pretty convinced that we're going to start to collect victories now it's that feeling that perhaps mentally as well is not easy for the players but I'm sure that when we get the first one it
0: will come on onto a match that was slightly closer to home Plymouth Argyle 2 Sunderland nil Plymouth won for the first time in a month as they ended Sunderland's recent good run of form with a 2-0 victory Morgan Whitaker's excellent strike gave the host a lead having held out after a number of early chances for Sunderland before Finnazzas finished well to double the lead Joby Bellingham struck a Plymouth post shortly before half time, and Trey Hume also headed against the woodwork just after the restart, as Sunderland started the second period well. Ballymumba had two good chances to add to Argyle's tally, as the Pilgrims claim their fifth league win of the season. The victory consolidates 19th place for the hosts, while Sunderland drop out of the playoffs. Now, we'd already mentioned that this team's been on a bit of a decent run, and this continued last Saturday. Preston North End 1, Cardiff City 2. Cardiff scored two goals deep in stoppage time to snatch a dramatic late win at fellow Championship playoff contenders Preston. The visitors had the better chances of a goalless first half, but fell behind three minutes after the break, as Mark McGuinness was dispossessed by Militant Osmashic, who sprinted clear and finished neatly. Soon afterwards, Preston's Robbie Brady was sent off after picking up his second booking for a foul on Yaku Mitre. Despite dominating possession, Cardiff struggled to break down Ryan Lowe's ten men, until Grant produced Grant loo- uh, pounced on a loose ball from a corner to equalise in the sixth minute of injury time. Then, in the ninth and final minute added on, substitute Ike Ogbu headed in to send Cardiff's travelling fans absolutely wild. The win sees Cardiff climb up into the championship playoff places into sixth, while Preston stay fifth. Stoke City nil, Blackburn Rovers three. Blackburn moved onto the fringes of the pl- championship playoff places with an emphatic victory at Stoke. Scott Wharton's early header set Yondahl Thomason's side on their way to a fourth successive away league win. Blackburn's best run uh, in the first top two division for 22 years. Wharton was given space by slack Stoke marking and headed Andrew Moran's corner in off a post after just four minutes. But six minutes later, he was forced off following a clash of heads with Stoke striker Dwight Gale. lat Stoke, whose five-match unbeaten run comes to an end, struggled to find their way back into the game, and late goals from Andrew Moran and Sammy Schmoddix secured the win. And the final match that took place this weekend, Swansea City 2, Hull City. Two. Hull fought back from 2-0 down to claim a point at Swansea as the Welsh side's poor home form continued. Swansea put themselves on course for just their third Championship win of their on their own patch this season, thanks to first-half goals from Jamie Patterson and Jerry Yates. Patterson's precise finish broke the deadlock before Ryan Allsop spilled the attacking midfielder's 30-yard drive and Yates tapped in on the rebound. Michael Duff's side never looked comfortable and Hull deservedly came back into the contest in the second half. Jaden Falengi uh, lashed in his fourth goal in the last six appearances, before Tyler Morton's cushioned volley brought Hull level. Liam Resigno will feel that his team did enough to win, with Liam De Lapp twice denied by Swansea keeper Carl Rushworth late on, having seen an earlier effort ruled out for offside. The draw leaves Swansea, who stay 17th, with only two victories in nine games on their own ground thus far this season, while Hull climb to 7th, having taken 10 points from their last five matches. So, let's take a look for the first time in quite a while. Let's look at the Championship table. Well, some things change and some things stay the same. Leicester City still remain top of the table with 42 points from 17 games played. Second place also remains somewhat extremely similar. Ipswich Town in second. Seven points adrift in third place with 32 points are Leeds United. One point behind, fourth place Southampton. The other two rounding out the playoffs are West Brom, Albion and Preston. But within one win's worth of getting back into it, includes 7th place Cardiff, 8th place Hull, 9th Sunderland and Blackburn Rovers Bristol City, both on 25 as well. Into mid-table, 12th place Middlesbrough dropped to 12 following their defeat at the weekend. Norwich and Birmingham picking up in crucial wins pushing up to 13th and 14th in the replacement of 15th place Watford and 16th place Stoke both on 21 points. On 20 points are 17th place Swansea and Millwall. Plymouth and Coventry City now both on 19 points in 19th and 20th, respectively. And then we have the four teams that we expect, unfortunately, at the wrong end of the table. 21st place Huddersfield Town with 16 points from 17 games played, but now four points clear of 22nd place Rotherham United, who have 12. QPR in second bottom with 10 points and, unfortunately, 24th place, 6 points from 17 games, with a minus 21 goal difference, sit Sheffield Wednesday.
6: Visit our website www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913
0: so let's take a look at league one and so let's look at how many uh, how everyone has done over the course of the month of november well there is by far one team that sticks out amongst everybody else in terms of the good form book that is top of the tree stevenage with four wins from four an impressive eight goal scored with only one goal conceded very very impressive there from stevenage who continued to push on and probably defy a lot of expectations given how they've only recently been promoted from League Two. Other two teams that remained unbeaten throughout the course of November are, well, technically there were three. Peterborough, second place, three wins from three, nine wins, um, nine points, sorry, not nine wins, with a goal difference of 11. Bolton also performing particularly well with a goal difference of 10. That was largely influenced by one match, which we will feature in a minute. The other team that remained uh, unbeaten, albeit are not necessarily quite as spectacular, were 10th in the form book, Wigan. That was mainly because they picked up one win and two draws, but still very impressive for Sean Maloney's side, who of course will be very interesting to see how the FA Cup goes uh, next weekend as they take on my local side, York City, on the telly, which I will be at. So if you see me, please make sure to give me a wave. Other teams that have done rather well so far. Actually, I would like to apologise as I've missed out another team that actually remain unbeaten. And The reason why probably the large part of my surprise is actually a month ago, if you'd said this team was gone unbeaten, I'd be very surprised. And that's because fourth in the form book is actually Cheltenham Town. Two wins and one draw, five goals scored and two conceded. Really rather impressive from the team that took approximately 400 years to get their first goal in the league this year. Fifth in the form book are Blackpool, who had two uh, early defeats at the beginning of the month of November. I was actually at one of them uh, when they took on Peterborough, which was a very entertaining game, albeit harsh if you're a Blackpool fan. They would go on to lose again, but have had two wins uh, recently in the last two games. Very impressive for them. They're starting to look a rather decent outfit. Derby County, despite the constant calls for Paul Warren's removal by some f- factions of the Derby County fan base. He's continued to do very well in the month of November with two wins, most recently in the last couple of weeks. You'll notice that a lot of teams actually have only played three games so far this period of the month. That was because so many of them got cancelled due to the international break uh, that were due to take place last weekend. This wasn't the case for everyone, as four teams played four games. They were Lincoln, Shrewsbury, Blackpool and Stevenage. Wrong end of the form table, there were plenty of teams that didn't pick up a single win in the month. One of them was 15th-placed Lincoln City, and then everyone from 17th place downwards. Ladies Orient, Charlton, Barnsley, who have had a little bit of a wobble recently, including being excluded from the FA Cup going into this week due to fielding an ineligible player in the previous replay against Horsham. So non-league Horsham will now take on Sutton United at the beginning of December instead of the Tykes. 20th place were Port Vale and uh, falling into the relegation zone, so to speak, albeit all five of them remain on. Only got one point from the month of November. Port Vale, Wickham, Carlisle United, Burton Albion and Exeter City. Before we go on to the matches that took place in the most recent weekend, we have mentioned there's been plenty of changes in the manager in the dugout, but there's actually been a change at the top for one club in League One, and they are Carlisle United. That's right, Carlisle have new bosses as they're under the name of the Castle Sports Group. and They completed their takeover following EFL approval on uh, the 22nd of November. Castle Sports Group has completed the takeover and taken control of Carlisle United following ratification by the EFL, the BBC wrote. The Piatek family from Jacksonville in Florida have courted Carlisle extensively with club members already approving their takeover proposal. Clan Alvoss, Paul Simpson had already agreed a revised budget for signings as part of the group's investment. Overall, a rather impressive um, I guess set of credentials for them, this American family who are looking to buy in. The Cumbrians, of course, are in the relegation places in League One, with 14 points from 17 games so far this term, on the back of last season's League Two playoff final win over Stockport. In securing new investment and ownership, long-standing chairman and co-owner Andrew Jenkins' tenure has now come to an end, while fellow owners and board members John Nixon and Steve Patterson have also had a strong relationship with the club. Carlisle supporters have been enthused for the opportunity of the Castle Sports Group's interest given the financial muscle the family, who own a logistics firm in the United States, could bring to the League One club. While their interest had already been piqued by the time Carlisle won promotion to League One, the Piatek's were further encouraged by the potential within their investment. In their statement, the Castle Sports Group said the investment was a commitment to the rich history and tradition of the club, and spoke of optimism and enthusiasm for the years ahead. This marks the beginning of an exciting chapter for the club, Tom Piatek wrote. We are committed to investing in in this success and building a bright future together. The new owners will be present at Carlisle's first game since the takeover completion, which took place last Saturday against Charlton Athletic at Brampton Park on the Saturday. Now, it's all well and good me listening to saying, OK, this has been announced, but why don't we hear from them? So, a rare interview from an owner here on the EFL Review. We listen to brand new uh, Carlisle United chairman Tom Piatek.
7: First time at Brunton Park as the chairman. How does that feel?
8: Oh, it's it's absolutely surreal. I just uh, just looking around here at these grounds, and you know, being here before, but now being here as the chairman, it's a completely different feel. And I can't wait till tomorrow to see it when the house is just crowded and it's buzzing with atmosphere. I'm just so excited, elated for it.
7: It'll be very different tomorrow, so obviously we 're here now on Friday afternoon with nobody here yeah. um, and then yeah, you must just be looking forward to how it'll be tomorrow
8: T- tom- yeah, tomorrow's going to be um, electric, I think it's, and, and, and it 's funny because what we see tomorrow is what I envision and what I want to see every week. I want to see you know we, we have some work to get done here at at the facilities we know that, but if we put the right squad on the pitch and, and they 're doing what they can do. And we've we've raised the level of the facility to where it's good for the fans, it's a good experience. I want to see what we're going to see tomorrow every week. That's, that's the vision that we have, and I know it'll take time to get there, but we want to see that happen.
7: The Bradford away game back in May was your first game. Did you ever, between then and now, think that this wouldn't happen?
8: No, uh, to be honest with you, the the Bradford Way game was an eye-opening experience. It was a beautiful facility there, and and then we followed it up, you know, coming up here for the next week. And once we had attended those two get matches, we knew this, it was going to get done. We had to be patient, and we were patient. The the former shareholders did a fantastic job vetting, you know, and making sure that the club was getting handed over to, I think, responsible uh, uh, custodians moving forward. But those two matches and that was before the Wembley match those two matches if there was any doubt of getting it done they were wiped out of our minds we said we are going to get this done we had to be patient it did take longer we did want to get it done in the august transfer window but that wasn't possible Um, we're happy to get it done this week and we're happy to have this you know the, the remainder of the season to kind of get us to that safety zone that we're looking for for league one
7: yeah, and you've just said it there. But the number one priority is staying in League One.
8: No, number one priority, stay in League One. Uh, that's that's been co- communicated to the management. That's been communicated with Paul. We've had discussions. We all know that. I think that's a realistic goal. I think we can make some changes. I think if the, you know the, the current squad steps up and plays like we know they can play, and we've seen them play on certain uh, matches, um, I think that's definitely attainable. Should be attainable. Should be our goal. Uh, stay in league one safety this year number one priority and
7: Simon said yesterday that he's already spoke to you about what might happen in January so you're obviously gonna obviously gonna uh, support him in, in that
8: yes we, we, we you know we've talked we talked about the the budget and and the change in the budget and and we both agreed on what that should be and, the, and what that level is um, we're actively now talking to him about you know what his plans are short term and in the January window because some of that you know just those discussions need to happen now we're excited about what we think you know we can do in january have complete trust in paul uh you know he's at you know hey these folks were like paul we're going to defer to you I, we have a lot to learn um we're going to learn from you and defer to you uh he's a great manager as i said i believe he's the best manager in the efl and uh, we're going to trust him and we're going to hit the january window hard
7: bit of a quick visit this time around but i know you've got plans for a fans forum uh before the northampton match next time you come over
8: yeah, we're, uh, be, is it before the Northampton match? I mean, so we're coming over, we, we head back after the Reading match uh, on Wednesday, we fly back. Uh, Patty and I are flying back on the 14th for the Northampton match. Uh, Tom, Alice, Jenna, Nick, they're coming, I think, a little bit later and staying through three or four matches. We're going to be spending the holidays over here. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll make ourselves accessible to the fans whenever they want. We're, we're eager to see them in the fan zone tomorrow i um, eager to see him out here, you know, in, in, in the facility. And we welcome uh, the fans forum and, and having that open dialogue because we need their input. We need their, you know, wh- what, what do they need? What do they see? What, what needs to change here? We have our ideas, but we're big on it. it needs to be collaborative. We need, we need to work with the management. We need to work with the fans. Identify what's, what's the priorities are and make those happen. So, yes, fans, zone, or fans forums. You know, I think the requirements too, I believe. Uh You know, if we have six, you know, that's fine. Wh- whatever the fans need, we- we'll make ourselves available for that. And looking forward to it.
7: And last one, just how excited are you for tomorrow and everything that that's going to bring?
8: It was just, it it absolutely killed us to be in Jacksonville, Florida, when all this went off. Uh, you know, we were we, we we there was so much that had to happen, and so trying to trying to book travel with that being an unknown was difficult but when it did happen you know we were all and, and even employees of Magellan were all in an office watching it and and watching it go out online and it was absolutely thrilling would have much rather been here for it um, but it does give us tomorrow to look forward to i mean we're looking forward to a, just a just a, a an electric atmosphere here and to see what you know what this what what it can be what it should be and what it will be going forward um, like I said, no, the, the, the former shareholders did a fantastic job. I mean, what we saw here for the Bradford home game, I mean, that was amazing. That was amazing. And we wanna see that pretty much every match going forward the best we can. And we're gonna do our parts to make sure that we're getting that done. You know, we're gonna work on, there's a lot that needs to be done, but it can be done, uh, you know, at the same time. It doesn't, one doesn't have to happen before the other. We, we need to improve the, 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 the squad or, or get the, the players that Paul needs. Um, but we also need to modernize the facilities here. We know what that needs to happen. It's just the timing of when those things can happen., uh, there are things in the community we want to do, so there's a lot that can go on in parallel, and we're looking forward to the challenge.
7: All starts tomorrow. Excuse me, all starts
8: tomorrow. all starts tomorrow and um it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great one. It's gonna be a great one realistically, you know we have to temper you know expectations in terms of we know where we're at right now on the table and, and what we can do and, you know, what next year probably holds and what those goals are. We, we have an idea, uh, but it's going to be a great run for everybody affiliated with the club, for the community. We're excited about it. We're here for the long haul and um, it's just exciting times for us.
0: Best of luck to Carly Island United under their new owners. I think it's only appropriate that we then went and discovered how their first match went as uh, the new board, and that finished Carlisle United 1, Charlton Athletic 1. Carlisle's union owners watched on as their team drew at home against Charlton Athletic. Of course, uh, Castle Sports Group representatives were able to celebrate as Sam Lavelle hauled the host level, eight minutes after Corey Blackett-Taylors had fired the addicts ahead. Jordan Gibson went close for Carlisle early on when his shirt was smartly saved by Ashley Minard Brewer. The Addicts replied when Scott Fraser forced homekeeper Thomas Holy into an impressive stop, before Owen Moxon then fired over for the hosts after he met a tidy pass from Gibson. Carlisle were then saved by the woodwork in the 38th minute, as Lloyd-Jones played in Blackett-Taylor, but his powerful drive thumped against the crossbar. The Addicts dominated the opening stages of the second period, and they got their reward after 54 minutes when Blackett-Taylor poked home as he darted in to convert to Tiney Watson's low cross. Blackett Taylor was denied a second thanks to Holy's superb save. And Carlisle leveled just past the hour mark when Navelle drived home clinically following Jack Armour's layoff. Now, we focused on Carlisle here, but really, there is only one match we could really talk about from last weekend's results. And they are up in Lancashire. Bolton Wanderers 7, Exeter City 0. Bolton manager Ian Evert said the hard work starts now as his side moved to the top of League 1 following their 7-0 thrashing of struggling Exeter. Jack Iredell, Victor Adeboyejo and Paris Magoma made it 3-0 before top scorer Dion Charles scored twice. A dominant afternoon was completed with late goals from Carl Dempsey and Daniel Lundeloo as Bolton took over top spot from Portsmouth who were beaten 4-0 by Blackpool but more on that later. Evert has been in charge since Wanderers were relegated to League 2 in 2020, uh, 2020, said the table position would only matter at the end of the season. However, he hailed the performance as the best and most fluid he has seen since he took over. Grecian's boss Gary Caldwell wanted the contest boosted by backing from club directors and owners, but informed Wanderers handed the Scot a reality check with an eighth successive win in all competitions, their biggest of the campaign side laboured for 34 minutes to break the deadlock against the early-season leaders for the third tier, but when Iredell headed in from Charles's cross, the outcome was never in doubt. Striker Adeboyejo doubled Bolton's lead before half-time, netting for the first time in two months. Corwell used defender Cheikh Diabate as a striker, but his services may have been better deployed in a more familiar position. Magoma made it 3-0 after 55 minutes before Northern Ireland international Charles took over. His 12th and 13th league goals this season came 11 minutes apart, while substitutes Dempsey and Lunderloo completed the route late on. Not a good day for those from Devon. Let's have a listen to an interview then off the back of that. Uh, we couldn't get one with Ian Evert, so let's hear from Exeter City's losing manager, Gary Caldwell.
9: Gary, it can be difficult to know what to say after a defeat of that manner. Can you just give us your reaction?
10: Yeah, it's embarrassing. It's it's not good enough from,
9: from myself, from the staff,
10: from the players. We we have to be so much better. I felt we started the game well. The game plan was working. We were frustrating Bolton and, and growing into the game. And We conceded a poor goal where we don't want them to attack down that side. We lose a man and, and they create an overload and we conceded a poor goal from across and from then we, we didn't recover from that and second half was, was nowhere near good enough. And, we all have to take accountability for it. We all have to stand up in this difficult moment and we have to you know, find a way to win a football match on Tuesday. Uh, it's been far too long since we have won a football match in the league and, and, like I said, everyone individually has to stand up and make sure that this is rock bottom and, and somehow we, we find a way to get out of it.
9: As you said, first half an hour, really, we were up against it, but we were dealing with what Bolton threw at us. And then, as you said, in that previous interview, as soon as we go 1-0 down, the heads just drop and, and we look a beaten team?
10: Yeah, it was working. We we wanted Bolton to attack down the left-hand side. Uh, we frustrated them. We, we gave them very little opportunities. I felt like the stadium was starting to get a bit edgy. We could have been better on possession when we won the ball. I felt like we could have took more possession in their half. We could have counter attack better, uh, Watch. You know, I would have took at half time if if the game remained 0-0 and we could have looked at improving that in the second half. But we can see the poor goal from from losing a man down the right hand side and, and not defending across them. You know, a well worked corner from from their point of view, but disappointing from us. We looked very static and we weren't ready uh, on the front foot to defend it. And then from there, it becomes a difficult game in second half. You know, too many people not not anywhere near it in terms of getting to the ball, in terms of defending with commitment, not enough tackles, uh, not enough headers defending the box, not not enough stuff and crosses. And when you do that, and when you give teams you know opportunities to to put you
9: under pressure and, and score goals, then then that's what happens. We know there's a good team in here because we saw it at the start of the season. Where we know we've had wretched luck with injuries, but. You know Where has that team gone, do you think?
10: I think it's difficult. I think when you go on a run like we are, it, it, you know, confidence obviously gets affected. We have to you know, find a way to, to get over that. We, we try everything with, with the players to, to build their confidence, build their belief. Like I said, I thought the game plan was working uh, a lot in the first half, but for a bit of quality when we got the ball and, and hurting them a little bit more. But we were very comfortable in the game. And then when goals go in, we we have to stand up. We said before the game, we want to be a resilient team. You have to be a resilient team if you want to win at this stadium uh, where the form Bolton are in. And uh, we were the opposite of that uh, at the end of the first half and in the second half. And that's something we have to find individually. That's something we have to, you know, work on as a group and and kind of harness that again. And I think if we can win a game, then then we can definitely build on that and do that. Because I do believe in this group of players. I believe there's quality in there. I believe they're in a really difficult moment where it's my job and the staff's job to support them and help them and make sure we come through that
9: and, and start to build again. Conceding goals is part of football, we all know that, but for you is the concern about how easy we made it for Bolton today?
10: Yeah, it's far too easy and not just in the defensive actions, it's far too easy in, in other aspects of the game. We, we we don't win enough duels, we don't tackle enough, we don't track runners uh, you know, so we have to get that bit right, and then we also have to defend the box much better than we did, uh, especially in that second half. So, uh, defensive, well, lots of aspects of our game have to be better. But defensively, we have to build a foundation of of allowing us to go and win a game from from getting a clean sheet.
9: You. you- I've referenced previously the defeat at Ipswich last season as one that will always live with you as a manager. Is this probably one that will probably live with you a little more, given given the manner of it? Yeah, look, it's
10: never never nice to lose any game of football. To lose 7-0 is, is embarrassing, and, and we've let the football club down, we've let the supporters down, and, you know, we have to live with that. That's That's happened, and we have to live with that today, tomorrow. Uh, but we have to regroup very quickly as well and move on to Tuesday night and, and find a way to come together and, and win a football match. So hopefully this is rock bottom and and the, the run that we're on and we can start
9: to build our way out of it on Tuesday and in the coming games. The fans at the end, you know, the whole game, they, they tried their best to get behind the team and, and naturally they've vented their frustrations at the end. Does that hurt to see that, to feel that and, and to hear that? It's never nice, but
10: I'm glad they did. I'm glad the players felt that. I'm glad I felt that because it is nowhere near good enough and we have to do better for them. Uh, they give everything for this football club and uh, whilst it's not nice, then you know it has to live and it has to hurt the players. It has to hurt me and the
9: staff. Uh, and we have to recover tomorrow and, and find a way to do something about it on Tuesday night. And finally for me, of course, there's a want to put things right on Tuesday, but is there now an expectation from you to see that reaction from the players?
10: Yeah, you have to. I, th- I said before, you, when you get an opportunity as a player, you have to give it everything and show what you're all about as a footballer, what you're all about as a person. And today, a lot of us have, have let ourselves down. Uh, you know, that's not a crime. That is the reality of football. And we have to uh, recover from this and, and find a way to come back on Tuesday night ready to give everything to, to win again. And, Like I said, if we can win a game of football and and start to build that confidence again, I do believe in this group of players that we can still have a really successful season.
9: Thanks a lot, Gary. Thank you.
0: Yeah, not a great performance there for Exeter City. Plenty of questions being asked about the tenure of Gary Caldwell moving forward. Two that actually have uh, were brand new into the job, in fact, in less than two weeks as the time of this programme goes out, are the next two on our Conversations. First, we've got Michael Scabala, who is now the manager of Lincoln City. Now, Lincoln City parted company with Mark Kennedy about a month ago, uh, citing basically poor performances. Not necessarily the ones of actually picking up points, but the numbers behind it and saying, are Lincoln playing as well as they should? As a result, they replaced it with Michael Scabala, who, up until about two weeks ago, was the Leeds Under-21s boss. A very impressive outfit and, of course, fairly local to Lincoln and therefore not too bad of a move across. A very uh, well, I guess, very well qualified coach who actually I even got to see his last game. As I was actually at the Leeds Under-21 match, the last game he was in charge. One day later, he's in a Lincoln shirt. So how did he get on in his first game in charge? Lincoln City 2, Barnsley 2. TJ Aomas struck late to earn Lincoln a point against Barnsley in manager Michael Scabala's first game in charge. Barry Cotter and John McAtee both scored into the second half to cancel out Danny Mandrew's penalty early on, but at Yoma's level in the 88th minutes, his first goal of the season ensured the spoils were shared. With that in mind, let's listen to Lincoln City boss Michael Scubala. Uh,
4: Michael you must be delighted with the fight of your team you got three points scoring late on on Tuesday and you got a point today scoring late on
11: Yeah I think they were immense I think at the last sort of 15 minutes where we had to push the game I thought, thought some of the energy they showed after playing three games in seven days and Barnsley haven't you know, haven't played really I know they played midweek but it was a different team they put a weaker team out so the energy we showed at the end to, to go and get that, that point was amazing um, and I always say if, you know, if we can't win it on the day let's not lose it and I thought that was really pleasing
4: and what was the place at the start, it was the first touch passing from your team, which sort of led to the penalty? Yeah, well, we had, um,
11: we had a match plan to try and have a few patterns to get in behind them early and quick because they're quite aggressive on their... Uh, on the press so we we thought that worked for the first 10-15 minutes we had a penalty and then i think we had another chance with jovan where we could have gone 2-0 and that would have been an amazing start for us um but then i think we we had to weather a bit of a storm for the second second period of the first half till we got inside and managed to tweak a few things and come out a little bit stronger and then probably got caught again where a bit of a soft one um but then again you know the enthusiasm the energy the desire and the fans to get behind us in those last moments was was great
4: yeah, I was going to say that the two goals. I mean, you'll always look at them negatively because you don't want to concede goals. But to be conceding a goal back post, disappointing. And I think the second one looked like a scuffed cross that maybe caught the caught your team out.
11: Yeah, I'm not seeing him back at the moment. So, so that you know, we'll get to that um, when they've had a rest, and we'll get to that on Monday before we go against Cambridge. But you know, I, I can't reiterate how hard that last 20 minutes with for, for not having the ball for long periods, and again, like coming back from that and getting a point I think is a really earned point and you know Barnsley are a good team let's be honest they're a really good team they're up there in the playoffs so yeah really pleased with a point
4: and TJ captured a, a great performance with the goal
11: yeah I think TJ's been solid since he's come in I thought he was he was really solid at the end today at the back and he's, he's got on the score sheet with that goal I think Danny Mandrew was good today um, I thought a couple of other lads really performed well, and Jovan gave us a good 60 minutes for his, you know, his start up there. So yeah, so I think there's some really positive performances there. One thing maybe just could have looked after the ball a little bit better when we had it.
4: And what about the atmosphere? Enjoy the whole occasion. You seemed really into it when I was watching the few
11: moments I caught a sight of you. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think the atmosphere was great, and like I said, I think the fans there helped definitely with the the push because. Again, we know three games, seven days, and it's it's all in our legs, and we've got a few injuries, so some players are playing probably more minutes, and at the end, where the fans get behind the team, you can really feel it here, which is the first feel I've had, which is amazing
4: got some players coming back Tuesday as well, Pawdy and um, Ethan being available again.
11: Yeah, and that'd be good. That'll help strengthen the squad and it'll help be competitive for places. And my job is to make sure that we've got a competitive environment day in, day out, and, and people keep playing well and keep trying to, trying to earn those minutes.
4: Sure, not in the match day squad today. Is that him coming back with a knock from Ireland or just not available? Yeah,
11: so he, he's been away with Ireland. Two tough games, and he he felt something. Um, we think he might have picked it up in Ireland, but he felt something, and it was again, it was just too much of a risk with the bodies we've got out at the minute. Um, so yeah, it's just being careful because if we keep losing bodies, we're going to be you know under the pump even more.
4: You're on the positive front on bodies coming
11: back. You've got a sort of 20-25 minutes out of Teddy. Yeah, which was nice to see. I think we all see his quality. So I think we could get him on the pitch. And again, it was restricted minutes for Teddy, so it wasn't like I could put him in on half-time. We had to wait to, to get him on the pitch at the right time because one thing we don't want to do with, with players is put them on and they come off and we lose them for another six weeks. So we're, we're trying to manage lots of different things with injuries and things like that at the moment. But I'm really, again, I'm really pleased with you know three points against Leighton Orient and then a point here and then let's try and go again Tuesday.
8: Michael, thank you.
11: Thank you.
0: Now, the other manager who uh, is brand new to League One is uh, Oxford United's Des Buckingham. Des Buckingham was the manager, most recently, of Mumbai City. He's a coach that's been in and around the City Football Group for a long, long time. Previously, the assistant manager at Melbourne City. What's even more interesting, he's actually originally from Oxford and is an Oxford United fan. Unsurprisingly, therefore, wanting to move on. How did his first game go? Well, not quite as well as Michael Scobala's. Cheltenham Town 2. Oxford United nil. Cheltenham's improvement under Daryl Clark continued with a shock 2-0 League One home win over a promotion chasing Oxford. Both players had a team sent off oh, I will start that again. Both teams had a player sent off, there we go, with Rob Street shown a straight red during first half stoppage time and Ruben Rodriguez dismissed for a late second caution after sixty eight minutes for the visitors. Second bottom Cheltenham started strongly with Street seeing a shot blocked in the opening seconds and Aidan Keener denied by James Beagle's flying save. Oxford then threatened with Will Goodwin and Curtis Davis kicking efforts away inside the box, but Cheltenham broke through in the 34th minute when Liam Circum's corner was cleared to Street, who smashed home a sweetly struck effort before a crowd uh, through a crowd of bodies from 20 yards. Street then saw red for catching Steven A. Negru with an elbow and the final touch of the half circum Mr. golden chance to double their lead with a goal gaping. Rodriguez spurned the similar chance for Oxford seven minutes after the break and Luke Southwood saved well to deny Kieran Brown before Rodriguez was given his marching orders after a foul on Ben Williams. Cheltenham made sure of the points when George Lloyd set up Goodwin for his third of the season, spoiling Des Buckingham's first game in charge of the U's, who dropped down a place to third as a result. And, of course, we heard from Michael Skubala, so it's only fair that we now hear from new Oxford United manager, Des Buckingham.
12: Absolutely not what you wanted in your first game, was it? No, it wasn't. That's football sometimes. I think you you have the the fairy tale where you come back and you you win the game, 2-3-0. Football's never as kind as that. We knew we were coming to a team, you know, that had picked up massively with the managerial change. We knew they would be very physical. We knew they would be direct. Um, and I thought they started a bit better than we did you know, once we settled into the game I thought they scored against the run of play that's
4: um, can turn all the lights it
12: yeah. Yeah. Um, we made some change at half time thought the reaction was very good we just couldn't quite find that finish I think Ruben put one over the bar mm. um, from the 6-yard box but yeah disappointing result um, but we've just said it's important now that we've had 10 days 14 days off if you will um, we've had a lot of change we're not going to use that as an excuse the most important thing is now that we, we respond and we must respond for Tuesday. Uh,
4: just spoke to Kieran Brown who said we were sucker punched twice. The first goal, we were on top when they scored the first goal, and we were definitely pushing
12: when they get the second. So, um, lessons to be learned, I guess. Yeah, there are. And I, I think we've had it go our way in certain games so far this season. You know, we've shown we can stand up, Leighton O'Reilly being one, um, Stevenage another, where you know, we can stand up to that direct approach to football, no problem. And um, I thought we did for large periods of the game, but those small moments. Call it lucky, call it whatever. I think the linesman actually flagged for the second goal was offside, and then put it back down. So yeah, things sometimes don't go your way, but again, you can't use that as an excuse. For you know, we must make sure that we stay in games, and we must make sure again we regroup now and make sure we get ready for Tuesday. No
4: excuses from Ruben Rodriguez as
12: well. He knows that sec- that second red card in the game changed the game. I think I've just said to the players, we've got games coming thick and fast, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, for the next five weeks. If we want to do what we want this year, which is to be as successful as we can, both in domestic competition in the league, but also in the Cups, we need every single player available, every single game, and that's so important, and, and uh, the players are under no, um, yeah, they're, they're aware that we need to That's that sick What better
4: way to turn that around? You've got Bolton at home on Tuesday, they're the, they're the new leaders, what better way to
12: stand up and show what we're really about? That's it. You have to respond. So we're not a team. We're not a group. It's not. I've only had four training sessions with this group in the last week, but they're, they're not a group that strikes me that are going to sit back and sob. I've just sit in there, and again, they've got a hungry group of players that want to be successful and have been. And not want to continue that, but to do that, we need to to respond on Tuesday,
10: and we'll do as much as we can to do that.
0: What other notable fixtures took place? So, other games that took place this weekend: Derby County two, Bristol Rovers one. Very impressive for Paul Warren there, finally pushing Derby into the playoff places, into sixth. We've already mentioned that they've had four wins from four, but Fleetwood Town nil, Stevenage three. Rather impressive, because Fleetwood have been on a fairly decent run of form themselves going into this set of fixtures and found themselves squarely in mid-table. Not bad under, of course, former Glover Lee Johnson. Stevenage go marking on, and they now find themselves fourth in the League One table. Other matches that took place. Uh, Lake Orient won, Wigan Athletic one, already covered. Northampton Town 2, Cambridge United one. Cambridge really starting to look slightly sloppy there. A really important game, actually, for both teams, really, to have picked up the win, as they both find themselves uh, right next to each other in the table in 15th and 16th. The win for Northampton has pushed them away from the bottom four. Cambridge now four points clear of the drop. Now, two other matches that took place in League One that were slightly higher-scoring affairs. Peterborough United 4, Burton Albion 0. Promotion-chasing Peterborough maintained their formidable home form with an emphatic win over Demo Marmory as patched-up Burton. First-half goals from Joel Randall and Ephraim Mason-Clark put the hosts in cruise control, before Cole Stockton's own goal and a Kwame Poku close-range finish completed the route after the break. The visitors will be left wondering if this match may have had a different outcome if Stockton's first half stoppage time volley had not been headed off the line by posh defender Josh Knight. Yet in truth, this was a richly deserved victory for Darren Ferguson's men and the scoreline did not flatter the Scots side at all. Now, the other major scoreline, Portsmouth nil, Blackpool 4. Owen Dale returned to haunt Old Club Portsmouth as Blackpool ended the South Coast side's record 27-game unbeaten League One run with a 4-0 win over at Fratton Park. Former Pompey Loney Dale, Jake Beasley, C.J. Hamilton and Alby Morgan scored the goals as 10-man Pompey were knocked off the top of the table by Bolton. The Seasiders took the lead in the ninth minute as Hamilton crossed with the unmarked Dale to find the net. The home side should have equalised midway through the first half, but new signing Josh Martin could not beat goalkeeper Dan Grimshaw in a one-on-one situation. Grimshaw then produced a stunning push-out from Marvin Ekpapetia's sliced attempt clearance a few minutes later, and Blackpool made it two 11 minutes into the second half as Karakamo Dembele's shot was deflected in by Jake Beasley. Things got worse for Pompey when skipper Joe Morrell received a second yellow card and was sent off in the 64th minute. Hamilton got a third, 16 minutes from time, and Substitute Morgan sealed the route with three minutes remaining. Two final games to cover in League One. Shrewsbury Town 2, Port Vale 1, Max Matter and Dan Udo helped Shrewsbury return to winning ways with a 2-1 win over Port Vale. A fairly local affair for the two clubs there. And one of the big games, for those of us of a certain persuasion, Wickham Wanderers won, Reading 2. Former glover Lewis Wings scored against his former club to hand struggling Reading a vital 2-1 win against Wickham. Sam Smith put the visitors ahead in the final for in the first half, but Killian Phillips equalised almost immediately. Wings deflected effort after 41 minutes, won the day of the crisis hit visitors, ending a run of nine league matches without a victory. The Royals lost Southampton lonely Damballa to injury after 29 minutes, with the attacker carried off on a stretcher, which looked like it could have very easily been a long day for the Royals. But overall, a rather impressive affair. Obviously, plenty of things going off on the pitch. But we haven't touched on Reading in a while, of course, over the EFL review. Plenty of things have taken place in the last month, including Dai Yong deciding he wants to uh, massively overprice the uh, cost of Reading. Then we've had huge protests up and down, in and around the Medeski. And uh, since then, we've even had rumours of asserted Mike Ashley returning to uh, English football ownership with purchasing uh, Reading Football Club. Nothing has been finalised yet and plenty still in the air. But what we can all hope is that, of course, those of us that have had family in and around the Reading area, we really do hope for a safe and suitable outcome in the end. Let's take a look at the League One table. Well, we've already alluded to it tonight and we have a new leader at the top of the table. They feel like they've been threatening for an awful long time, but they finally have reached that first position. That is Bolton Wanderers with 38 points from 17 games played. They have displaced Portsmouth, who sit in second with 36 points. Despite that, of course, 27 game unbeaten run for Portsmouth, has finally now come to an end after a very strong dismantling by Blackpool. Third place sit Oxford United for 35 points, level on points with fourth place Stevenage. Peterborough United one point behind, 34 points from 18 games played. Two games behind and four points behind are sixth placed Derby County, level on points also with Blackpool just outside. Barnsley have still got two games in hand over Blackpool and sit on 28 points. Lincoln with 27 in 9th. Mid-table looks as follows. Four points adrift behind Lincoln in 10th place are Charlton Athletic on 23, alongside Bristol Rovers and Shrewsbury Town. Wickham sit one point behind in what's been a really horrible month for Wickham, as they currently find themselves near rock bottom of the form table. Leighton Orient sitting in 14th, Northampton and Cambridge we've already talked about in 15th and 16th, both on 20 points alongside Burton Albion. Wigan Athletic on 19 points after 18 games played, of course that should really be 29 points and they are playing at a in and around playoff level side. Port Vale in 19th and then we get a little bit close to the drop zone. Exeter on 17 points from 17 games played in 20th position, one point above Fleetwood and therefore one point above the drop. One further point behind with 18 games played with 15 points is Carlisle United. A resurgent Cheltenham in 23rd with 12 points from 17 games but starting to look a little bit better than what we were expecting and have been seeming over the last couple of weeks. And Reading, still unfortunately rock bottom with 10 points from 17 games. Really, the only way is up. So of course, you didn't think we'd forget, no, no, we still have time for League Two. we take a look at the form book over the month of November. Well, one team stands out above the rest. Not one that necessarily uh, pulls in many punters and doesn't necessarily get the credit they deserve. But top of the tree on form, four games played, Three wins and a draw, unbeaten in the month of November, are Barrow uh, and have had three wins on the bout. Very impressive performance there. Two teams that you might still expect at the right end of the table. Second place are Wrexham and third place are Stockport County. Also level on their performance are Mansfield Town, who unfortunately have finally lost their unbeaten run. More on that slightly later. Gro Alexander sitting in fifth, three wins from three. Very impressive performance there. MK Dons also unbeaten under Mike Williamson in November. Tramia Rovers turning things around under Nigel Adkins sit in seventh for the form book. And at the wrong end of the table, well, some teams that really do stand out in 19th place with only one win from four, Notts County. Obviously performing so well at the beginning of this season, now having only picked up six goals but conceding nine. Bradford also at the wrong end of the table, 20th place, but more on them a little bit later, as I was able to go and watch them on Saturday. Also at the wrong end, and two teams that I didn't pick up a single win, Walsall in 23rd, two losses and a draw. Also, with three losses and draw, Salford City, sitting fourth of the form book, four goals, nine conceded, with a goal difference of minus 5. We now go and look at the managerial changes that taken place, and we've had more in League 2 than we've had in any other uh, any other league so far this month. Five who are currently in the job less than one month. Two of them on an interim basis. First of them, John McMahon, who is on uh, an interim basis at Morecambe. He's been in the job six days. The main reason for that was not necessarily the sacking of Derek Adams, who's done remarkable stuff with incredibly limited budget at Morecambe for some years now. Uh, he was actually in the job for just over two or three years. Well, he's actually moved on to Ross County, gone back to his native Scotland. Sean Pearson is the other one who is in interim charge, and that's uh, of the Grimsby Town boss. That, of course, is they fired, uh, why well, name escapes me now because I'm an idiot. Paul Hurst, of course, uh, and not that long ago. We, in fact, covered the interview uh, with owner Jason Stockwood uh, when he uh, asked. For the resignation of Paul Hurst, and things haven't gone too badly uh, under his tenure. They currently find themselves middle of the four table since uh, Garner took over. Uh, well, Pearson took over. Sorry, one loss, one win, and two draws. Fairly mid-table performance, which is exactly what Grimsby will be ho- largely hoping for on this type of budget. Who else is brand new in the job? Well, three that are here permanently. Nigel Iarkins has got the job permanently uh, as Tremier Rovers' boss, and so he doesn't really count because he's been in charge for quite some time. So we have two brand new ones to talk about. First, we're going to hear from Stephen Clements, who is the former uh, youth team boss at West Bromwich Albion. He is now the new manager of Gillingham, and we hear from him now.
13: Well, delighted to say we've been joined by the club's new first team head coach Stephen Clements. Uh, Stephen, firstly welcome. Just give us your thoughts on having joined the club. Well
14: thank you to start with and uh, I'm absolutely delighted. Um, I need to thank Brad and Paul and, and Kenny for giving me this opportunity. It's a wonderful foot club, football club with a strong history uh, and I just can't wait to get started now and get on the, on the grass with the players.
13: You got on record from, by saying that you were looking for your first role in, in management. What was it about Gillingham that made you think this is the place to start? I think we've got some really good players. Uh,
14: I've watched a lot of Gillingham uh, over, the la- over this season and um, saw a bit last season as well. Um, I think the structure's really good uh, to help uh, someone like myself with, with Kenny being here. He's someone that I will really lean on uh, to, to help me. Uh, he's, a, I mean, he's, he's done so much in the game, I'd be, be stupid if I didn't. Um, and I just think we can be successful from what I've seen when I've been watching matches I think there's a group of players there yeah we need to make improvements we know where we need to improve we know we probably need to score more goals and we know that we need to have more control of the football but I've got some ideas I think can help us with that and I'm and I'm looking forward to getting started on them.
13: Now you've met some of the staff the the club staff behind the scenes you've met the football board what are your main priorities in, in the short term
14: in the short service, it's it's, 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 there's a game coming up at the weekend. We've got the FA Cup at the weekend. Uh, I'm going to be in the dugout for that. So I'm already planning now and looking at, and looking at Hereford, how we, how we beat them. Um, we know it'll be a tough game. We know that they'll want to, uh, to, to beat an EFL team and, and, and cause a shock. But we have to be ready and prepared, like we will be for every game going forward. And uh, it should be one the boys are looking forward to.
13: Describe your management and, and coaching style. How would you describe yourself? I'm very hands-on, I want to be involved. Um, I like to try and improve people, so
14: on the the grass and off off, off the pitch as well. I think uh, um, there's there's behaviours that I like in players, and I look at myself as a player. Uh, The one thing I did was give 110%. I took that into my coaching career, uh, and I intend to take it now into my head coaching career, and I demand that from my players. Um, So there has to be commitment, uh, which I think these boys have got. and, uh, and and that's a good starting
13: point. Obviously you've got an under-18s team and we've got a B team yes. this season. How important is it from your perspective to have that, that pathway from a young age all the way through to the first team? How involved were you getting that? It's vitally important.
14: Everybody has to start somewhere. Everybody needs a chance and you have to be good enough to get that chance and then you, if you get your chance you have to take it. So it's, it's a tough industry to get into as a young player but the club are doing things right and uh, We'll give these players that are in our system at the moment uh, as much opportunity as possible. Um, hopefully, in time, we'll see one or two of them coming into the team. But um, um, I haven't got there with that yet, but I, I will do and I will get to watch them soon and, uh, and see what we've got in the building.
13: And what will a Stephen Clements football team look like? Look, I've been influenced by a lot of people in my career.
14: Um, I was born into a footballing family. Um, I've played for some good football teams, worked under some top managers a player, the uh, likes of Glenn Hoddle and George Graham. I've been on a great coaching journey with Steve Bruce and I've learned so much there. But I have my own ideas too. And uh, I think any manager going into a new job, uh, I think would say he wants to play attacking football. Um, I'm no different. I want to see uh, our fans excited, uh, get bums off seats if you like, and, and, and really see a team that's going to have a go. Um, the supporters want a team that they're proud of. And, and that's what I'll, I'll try and give them.
13: Have you set yourself any goals or objectives, not just in the short term, but in the longer term in, the, in this job? Or is it basically with the next fixture? I think that's, that's uh,
14: the, the world, like the modern coach now, that's, that's all you can do. The, the game's come thick and fast. Um, you want to build momentum, but I haven't had one game yet. So let's just get into the job. Um, let's do our best to get through that FA Cup tie at the weekend, which will be a difficult fixture away from home. Um, then we have a EFL trophy game on Tuesday against Fulham under-21s before we actually even get started in the league. So, already got a busy week coming up. Uh, I, c- I can't wait. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, and I just promise to give everybody um, the best I can. And, and that will be 110% effort all the time.
13: Assisted by Robbie Stockdale, of course. He comes in as your, your number two, if you like. Just talk us talk to us about Robbie. I've, I've played against Robbie back in the day. And i we actually
14: done our pro license together uh, quite a number of years ago now, probably about eight, nine years ago. Um, I know he's a good coach. I know he's a good person. He has, a, he has experience of the lower leagues as well, which could be seen as something that maybe would go against me because I've only worked in the, the Premier League and the Championship. So I wanted to have someone that, um, that, that knows what's coming along and can, can say that this might happen and doesn't happen higher up. So that, that will help me, but he's, he's a good person. He's a good coach. He's someone I admire um, and respect. And I'm really, really happy to have him on on our team.
13: I'm sure you've watched several of our games over the past few weeks, however long the process lasted. How would you you assess the squad?
14: I think I spoke about them a little bit earlier. I think they're, 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 they're committed. They've got a great attitude. I wouldn't have come into this job if I didn't think we could have a go and, and, and try and make some memories for people here at this, at this place. We want to create some memories which people are going to uh, enjoy and remember. Um, so this squad, are capable of improving, we have got to start scoring more goals, but I think there'll be a group that um, will be open to learning uh, and getting better. And, 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 and that's what I've seen.
13: The stands are very quiet now, but will give it a few weeks. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see a few fans here against uh, against Salford. What is your, as the new first team head coach, what is your message to the supporters? First and foremost, when, when we're playing, get behind the players. right?
14: Be that 12th man. Um, get behind the football club. Hopefully get behind me. Uh, I've mentioned it before. I'll be giving my absolute all uh, to bring them results. I'll demand that from the players. Uh, and I'm hoping to give them a team that they're going to be very, very proud of. And, and as I say, I can't wait to get started now. Lovely. Stephen, really
13: appreciate your time and we wish you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So then, Jill's fans, how did you get on under new boss this weekend? Tranmere Rovers 3, Gillingham 1. There's your answer. Tranmere moved two points clear of the League 2 drop zone with the 3-1 victory over Gillingham at Prenton Park. A double by Rob Aptor and a Connor Jennings strike with the difference as Rovers extended their unbeaten league record to three games. The away side got a goal from Mahoney in the 91st minute as a consolation, which was a very well-struck free kick. The other new boss who joins League Two actually was someone who was in League Two not that long ago, and that is the new boss of Bradford City. Now, under Kevin MacDonald, Bradford City done rather well in interim charge, but... Um, really steadying the ship after what had been a rather difficult performance under Mark Hughes at the beginning of this season. Of course, this is the same Mark Hughes and the same Bradford that were in the League Two playoffs uh, in May. Well, who's he been replaced by? Well, it's the former MK Dons boss, Graham Alexander. He was not out of the game for very long. Really um, unsurprisingly, really very well proven at this level and certainly a famous name in and around League One and League Two. Has had some really impressive performances that did OK at MK Dons, not great, and that's why he faced the uh, uh, recommendation that they got, but uh, formerly of Salford and a few other clubs that are in and around this sort of level. Well, he joins a well-equipped Bradford side who had been largely struggling uh, um, outside of, of, course, we've already mentioned this. Right, so how did they do uh, under his f- tenure? He's been to, uh, the job for a couple of weeks now and didn't necessarily start to the best of starts, but that all changed on Saturday. Bradford City won. Accrington Stanley nil. Bradford claimed a first win under new boss Graham Alexander, beating Accrington to end a run of four consecutive league defeats. Tyler Smith scored a well-taken goal in the second half at Valley Parade, his sixth in six games. The first half was a cagey affair, with few incidents of note that the sides cancelled each other out. Excuse me, the best moment fell for Accrington after 16 minutes, when Kareidi Adoyen got in behind marker Matty Platt, but his shot was blocked at the near post by Harry Lewis. Bradford got into some promising positions without really threatening the Accrington goal. Jamie Walker should have done better when Andy Cook chested Kieran Kelly's long-range pass into the path but fired well wide. Centre-half Ash Taylor also could have hit the target with his header from Richie Smallwood's free-kick early in the second half. But Bradford broke the deadlock after 58 minutes when Kelly's long pass picked out Smith to clip the ball over keeper John McCracken after Andy Cook had let the ball run through. On what was, because I was there, an absolutely freezing night on Saturday at Valley Parade. But overall good viewing, of course, if you are of a Bradford City persuasion also of course congratulations to Graham Alexander there for getting his first win so for the first time we hear him not in an MK Don's capacity on the M- uh, EFL review let's hear to Bradford City boss Graham Alexander Graham
6: first
15: three points in the league that must
0: be a good feeling
6: yeah great feeling uh, really pleased for the, for the lads because uh, they've worked hard um, in training and a couple of weeks we've had um, took a, a couple of sore results in the first two games but I think they have responded um, exceptionally well to to uh Beat a couple of good teams, so um, yeah, it's a it's a good start for us.
15: Against the side on decent form as well, a decent result for them last weekend and seventh in the league. I guess that shows you what we can do, and on the back of Tuesday, like you said, where where this team can go. Yeah, I
6: think you know I think it's a really competitive division. I don't think we we need to um, uh, beat ourselves up too much about where we are. We we have to be where we are at the end of the season. And um, but you know, I thought we played very well in the second half against it. A team even higher in Notts County uh, played very well against the League One team on Tuesday, and then we took on a playoff team today and, and beat them. So um, the, pla- the players know they can they can win, um, but it's about putting it all together to to, um, to produce those sort of results. And, uh, and we're still not the finished article; but there's still a lot of work to to be done. Um, but I, I feel the players have got the bit between the teeth, so we have to make sure that we we don't even. Have a second of um, stepping off it, or you know, thinking we're out of the woods, or we've achieved anything. We have to keep our foot to the floor and make sure we're, we're full throttle on on Tuesday.
15: What did you make to today? Seems to be a lot of battling, quite a difficult yeah. physical game. But I guess digging in and grinding out a result—they're the kind of values that, that you see and you, you like in a team, really.
6: Well, listen, any team that's at the top of a division will have games where they have to grind it through and, and find a way of winning. So there's games that you want to. Play um, really good football and create loads of chances, um, and we've shown that on on Tuesday, and I thought we did that in the second half last week. But today was a, um, a difficult game for, for both teams. I thought you know there weren't there weren't going to be much uh, quarter given by either team. Two competitive clubs that wanted to win, um, and I said that to the players at time that this will be probably a fifty minute grind, um, but it's a grind that we have to win, and, and we will win um, if we continue to have that focus and not just get a bit sloppy or. We'll get frustrated if we haven't scored in the first 10 minutes or something in the second half we have to stay present in, in, the, in the game at all times take whatever hits come along our way and just be prepared for the next action, I thought they were like that and um, the the outstanding bit of quality with Tyler's finish um, won the game and that's how tight games can be um, between good teams and um, so there'll be other games where we play better but certainly that has to be you know, the, the base level of competitiveness of how connected we were and the actual endeavors showed by the players.
15: You mentioned Tyler, plenty of great individual performances today, but mm. a great finish from him, like you say, to win the game and six goals now in his last six games I think in all competitions, right. he's on a real hot streak, isn't he? I mean.
6: Yeah, I think um you know he, he got the hat trick I think, wasn't it, just in the AFL before we come in, he scored three in the four games we've we've came in. Um so I think uh, there's a there's a there's an understanding now there now for the team with cookie and Tyler in which each player gives us, you know, different aspects and different attributes and we've got other players that can come on and, and help that as well. Um, but you know, they've they've obviously played the games that we've we've been here for. Um, and these little relationships and, and um, understandings take time to grow and on, um, and develop, um, and I think uh, they're sort of getting there, and, and the team is getting there with them, you know, because it's about the team creating things for them. But they have what, what I like about them today, um, and in the other games, and um, that it works exceptionally hard defensively f- for the team as well. So it's not just they're standing in the box waiting for chances, they're, they're prepared to to run the channels, press press the ball, and um, drop in, you know, intelligently when we're out of possession to make it difficult. So the, the team keeps its structure and its. And um, and its strength together. That's that's really important because if we can be defensively strong, then we're gonna. When they do score a goal like that, it's more important. It's not a consolation goal. It's a it's a winner.
15: Long trip to Forest Green on Tuesday night final, but I guess. After the two and a half games that we've had this week and last yeah. week, it, it's positive to have a game yeah. in such quick succession and to get back out there and, and put what we've built back into practice and hopefully get another three points. Yeah, I think I
6: think look, players want to play and yeah, they want to play football. It's good to get training weeks sometimes because uh, you know if you've got a. A lot of games in quick succession, but I think um, once you get into the run of things, and if you're winning, you know, which we have done the last two games, it's always good to, to go into the next next one really quickly. But you know, there's a few boys we have to just have a look at um, to make sure that we can output the same energy. It's really important that energy levels from the team um, are the same week in week out. So if we have to change a couple, we will do that. If if you know it's it's difficult for them to reproduce that, you know, in quick succession. Um, But if not, you know, there's no reason to change things. So we'll we'll assess the players uh, on Monday and and Tuesday morning and and put out the team which we think can win the game.
0: Congratulations to Bradford there. Right, one major game that I would like to talk about just before we close out tonight. And that's because, of course, they never get enough promotion here on It Will In English Football. Generally, Wrexham Six. Morecambe nil. Paul Mullin scored a hat-trick as Wrexham continued their League 2 promotion push by hammering managerless Morecambe at the stock race course. Joel Senior's own goal and Mullins' strike put the host 2-0 up within the opening seven minutes and Jacob Mendy added Wrexham's third before the break. The visitors had no answer as Mullin fired in two more from half to after half-time and James Jones finished off the scoring. Wrexham rose a place to second in the table as Morecambe stayed ninth. Other fixtures that took place this weekend, AFC Wimbledon 4, Notts County 2, a first, another questionable loss uh, for Notts County, who've had a little bit of a wobble, probably the first one they've had since promotion. Colchester United 1, Barrow 4, as we've already mentioned, Barrow on a fantastic run of late. Crawley Town 2, Harrogate Town 1, Crew Alexander 3, Doncaster Rovers 2, Grimsby 1, Sutton United 1. Newport County 2, Stockport County 1. Stockport were looking to break the record for most consecutive wins in League 2 and unfortunately fell at the hands of the exiles. We've already mentioned they've had a poor start to this. uh, Well, they've had a poor November, but they rounded it off. Salford City 2, MK Don's 4, Mike Williamson doing very much exactly how he left off at Gateshead. Now slowly starting to implement that at McDon's. Best of luck to him. Swindon Town, two. Mansfield Town, one. And finally, Walsall, nil. Forest Green Rovers, nil. So, what has that done for the League 2 table? Just as we round out, well, top of the tree, 19 games played and 41 points, Stockport County. A team that I predict to do very well at the beginning of this season, and it's nice to see that so far, I'm looking like I've got that one right. Wrexham in second place with 36 points, so five points adrift, same games games played. But in the automatic promotion places right next to them, one point below are Mansfield Town with a game in hand. Crew Alexander level on points or uh, and level of games in fourth place with also with 35, Barrow in fifth with 34, and Notts County have dropped all the way to sixth, following their poor November with 33 points. Four points behind them and the final playoff spot sits seventh place to Accrington Stanley. Wimbledon in eighth place, one point below the playoffs, level on points with Gillingham. A further point, sit three, uh, f- further point below, sorry, three other teams, Swindon, Crawley and Morecambe. Mid-table, squarely mid-table, with 26 points from 18 games played, MK Dons. Following their wins, uh, Bradford move up to 14th, go overtaking Harrogate in 15th, both on 23 points. Newport moving to 16th, following their defeat of, uh, of Stockport, sorry, on 22 points. Twenty-one points sit Salford and Walsall, Doncaster and Colchester both on twenty. Grimsby in twenty-first place with nineteen points, two points behind, seventeen points and two points above the drop. Tranmere Rovers, the two in the bottom, are in the relegation zone, are the same two where we left a month ago, although in two different places. Forest Green Rovers in twenty-third and Sutton United in twenty-fourth. But that brings us to the end of this month's EFL review. I certainly hope you've enjoyed it. I know the format was slightly different. but We've had plenty of interviews and plenty of insight and plenty of analysis, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. I will be back next month to take a look at everything that's taken place and plenty of games for us to get excited about, of course, as we draw into the festive period. I think what I might do is I might stretch it, and I think we rightly have two different shows around that sort of time, pre the Christmas festivities and one slightly afterwards. So no need to say Merry Christmas quite yet. So I will see you just before. before Christmas as we take a look at all the games that take place across early December. Until then, have a lovely couple of weeks. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.